one of the most powerful things you can do is what I call posting it forward. So literally put in your schedule four minutes a day to post it forward. So think about taking that selfie mentality and doing the exact opposite. You're doing a big unselfie. Welcome to Beyond Speaking with Brian Lord, a podcast featuring deeper conversations with the world's top speakers. Hi, I'm Brian Lord, and welcome to the Beyond Speaking podcast. Our guest today is Eric Qualman. He is a five times number one best-selling author, the host of the popular Super You podcast, and a motivational speaker who has performed in over 55 countries and reached over 50 million people in the past decade. And for fun, he was even voted the second most likable author in the world behind uh, Harry Potter's J.K. Rowling. So, Eric, thank you so much for coming on and joining us here on the Beyond Speaking Podcast. No, thanks, Brian. It's great to join you and all your listeners here today. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad to have you. So, uh, you're uh, somebody who's great with marketing and branding. And we are going to get to the Focus Project, which I'm, I'm really interested in. But first, I'm curious to know, I was told that uh, you had a really unique reason for picking your green glasses. How did that come about? Yeah, for those who can't see me, I got very bright neon green glasses on. If you see me about, I'll have them on. And I haven't always worn these, but I have always been called Eric Qualman. And I've been in the digital space now three decades. Crazy enough, I got started real early as an intern. But when you get your email address, it's first initial, last name. So it's always been equal, man. <laughs> and I didn't really like it. I didn't like it at first. I was working at Yahoo back in the day when they're in the Facebook and they're like, oh, we need coffee. Well, equal man's probably super here. He's super fast. He can go get that coffee. <laughs> and so I resisted it for about 15 years. And the reason I'm telling the story is because I do think we're all living the same movie. We're just different actors and actresses within that movie. So as I tell this story, I think most of the listeners are going to be able to relate to it because we resist our story. And that's what I did for 15 years. I resisted stepping into my story. And then at a moment in time, something happened that really helped me out. Because then I realized, wait, this isn't happening to me. Like, oh, I can't believe that I'm equal, man. And then it's happening for me, allowed me to see, like, let's step into that story. And so what happened is we're doing an interview for one of the books. I think it was What Happens in Vegas stays on YouTube. And they wanted a cover shot for the front of the magazine. And they said, hey, your email's kind of unique. Do you mind if we do something fun for the cover? And if you wear some Clark Kent-like Superman glasses? I go, great, let's do it. And they go, well, St. Paddy's Day is coming up. It's our St. Paddy's Day edition. Do you mind if they're green? And I go, yeah, whatever it takes, we can do that. And they bring them out. I'm like, whoa, those are really bright. But we take a picture uh, for that magazine. And then a couple weeks later, I fly to Kenya to give a talk. Now, the night before, I went to a rescue shelter to adopt a baby cheetah. Uh, Not to take home, my wife would kill me, (laughs) but just to support the local area. And it's my first time in Kenya, so I wanted to kind of understand the local culture. And on the ride over, the lady that I'm with says, you know, the litter you're going to adopt from Usain Bolt, the Olympic sprinter, the gold medalist, was just here two days ago. And he adopted from the same litter that you're going to adopt from. We filmed him, and we'd love to film you and marry that footage together so we can raise some more money for the charity. So I give her a big thumbs up. I'm like, that sounds great. And, and she goes, but obviously when we're filming you, we want to make sure you're wearing your bright green glasses. <laughs> and I kind of look at her and I go, oh, I don't wear those around all the time. I look like a fool walking around wearing bright green glasses all the time. I just did that for the, and then just the look on her face of disappointment. But it was, it was that aha moment. I'm like, wait, why don't, I'm equal, man. You know, why am I resisting this? Let's just step <laughs> into it. 
And if by wearing these crazy green glasses helps me help one more person in life, then it's worth any discomfort that I walk in. But it's one, it's a long story to say that my cheetah is much faster than Usain Bolt's. But for all your <laughs> listeners out there, don't do what I do. Step in your story today. Some of you have probably already taken that step, which is uncomfortable at first, but long-term it's the most comfortable place we can live. But some of you are resisting that big chapter. So my hope is you hear that story and go, okay, today's the day I'm going to take that small step to step into my biggest chapter. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And that, that reminds me when I got to college, my middle name is so Brian Stephen Lord. So mine was BS Lord. So I was apparently I need to, I don't know if I need to embrace that. I'm in sales, but but um, BS Lord right here. Uh, embrace it. No, I, I, that's the best part of telling when I tell the story. I literally at every audience, a couple people come up to me and they go, this is my email. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Uh, so I really love uh, your, your newest book, um, The Focus Project. And, and one of the things I like about it is just because we are being so bombarded and sometimes you don't even realize it. I had a friend of mine who moved uh, out of the country and came back and he just looking like I was like the first stop and we went to a restaurant and he's like a fast food one and he's looking up at the board. He goes, I am overwhelmed. I can't, he didn't know how to process it. He'd been out of the country for two years, came back, couldn't process it. And so we're just so inundated all the time. What, what prompted you to write this? Yeah. So you're kind of in the intro to say I've written five books. And so the first book, social dynamics I wrote and talked about this back when MySpace was big. I said, look, social media is coming. It's huge. It's not just for teenagers. It's kind of hard for us to imagine back then when I wrote that book, People thought literally like, why you waste your time talking about this teenage stuff? I go, no, no, no. It's going to change the way governments function. It's going to change the way we communicate, change business. This isn't just for teenagers. So it's basically imploring people to get into social, to get into digital. And then people did it, but they did it way too much. So all of a sudden their face is just being consumed by their screens 24-7. So in some aspects, the focus project's an anti-venom to that first book. Because the balance, it's somewhere in the middle that we need to land. But primarily is I found myself every night, like my hair was on fire. Now, keep in mind, I'm sitting there going, well, I own the company. We have an animation studio and I control, quote unquote, my time. And so I go, wait, if my hair is on fire and I'm sort of in control of my own destiny, so to speak, then let me talk to some other people. And everyone was, whether the school teacher, whether the CEO, Everyone had time famine. They were just overstressed about everything. They just, there's too much going on there. They had a to-do list of a hundred things and they'd get to two of them. And so that's why I undertook for two years, just wait, is there some solves to this? Since we're all kind of this together, let me be the guinea pig. Let me look at research for hundreds of years. So take that scientific research and then marry it with the street science, me actually doing it. So that was the whole impetus. Plus I just got excited. I started to think, man, what if I just focused on speaking for just this month? That that's all I did was focused on connecting with people that are in the speaking world. And then I'm not doing this animation piece. I'm not doing these taxes. I'm not trying to write a book. I'm not doing the podcast. You know, so it got me kind of excited. Just what does focus look like? That's interesting. And what uh, I know you, you have a lot of different things that you talk about in there. Um, you know, when when people come to you, what area of focus when you're talking to companies or, or just in general, what area of focus do they feel like they need to change the most? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because when I sit down with 
the top thought leaders or CEOs, I made sure I was asking this question is like, why are you more successful? You're a CEO of this 12,000 person company. Like, why are you so successful? And they go, well, I think I'm a little better at focusing the most. And I go, what's your biggest challenge? And they're like, staying focused. I'm like, aha. And so as I dug deeper into it, I was trying to figure out these people that are successful, what's, what is in their DNA? And it wasn't in their DNA. It wasn't they were born with it. It was that they've set up systems and processes and more times than not, the one common factor they have, they're really good at saying no. So they say no to almost everything so they can say yes to the big things. And they don't rely on willpower to do it. What they do is they put systems and processes in place or they have people, if they're high enough up, they'll actually have a person that's actually their, their gatekeeper. But they're really good at saying no to almost everything so they can say yes to the big things. Um, and that's where the common factor I saw with people that were struggling to focus is they overcommitted to most things. How do you choose what to focus on? You know, I've found I came across a couple of systems. For me, it's like if it's not a heck yes, then it should be a heck no. Or a hell yes, a hell no. Uh, <laughs> especially we all, you've gotten asked something today, say it's a meeting. Hey, can you go to this meeting on Friday? You're like, I should probably go. There's good people. It's probably good for me to go. I should probably go. That should be a no. Like when you can. Like a lot of us, if it's your boss, you have to go. But it's really about figuring out if it's not a hell yes, it should be a hell no. Meaning, oh, I got two Super Bowl tickets. You want to go? Hell yes. Hey, we should get together to do this. they like, ah, should we get together with that couple? Or should I go for that networking event? Um, I should probably say yes. Well, guess what? That should be a no. Because in time, as that event approaches, it's not going to get any better. Yeah. You're not going to want to go anymore. It's going to be less as that event approaches. How do you refocus? Like, how do you realize when you're you're out of it and how do you get back into it? Yeah, it's a good question. So there's a lot of things in the book and I tell them, look, I tested a bunch of stuff and this is what worked for me. This is what didn't work. But for you, it might be different. So it's really, you could open the book anywhere and it'll make sense to you. It's, very, it's written very modularly for that because people need to focus. They need to have time to do stuff. But for me and a lot of people, the number one thing to do is literally to write down what's the most important thing. If you can do it the night before, that's beneficial for sleep because your mind thinks that you've taken care of it. So it's not going to be bounced around your brain while you try to sleep. It's like, okay, I've taken care of that. I'll pick it up in the morning. And then as much as you can block off that time, fence it off. We call it cowboy cowgirl scheduling. So you fence off certain times and leave wide open spaces like a cowboy or cowgirl. You fence off certain things and then you leave wide open spaces for that group thing or that thinking time. So then if you think about you attack that thing in the morning and then throughout the day, you hit it right on the head, Brian. It's really about how do I stay present? So in time, you're going to get better at this. So it's about progress over perfection. So you need to check in periodically. At the beginning, you might set alerts in your phone five times a day just to pause and ask yourself, what am I doing right now and what should I be doing? And in time, you're going to get better at checking in with yourself. So that's the key, being present and then checking in and adjusting course as needed. Like, how did I get down this email rat hole? I've been in email for two hours or why am I checking this thing for the house when I'm supposed to be working on this project that's due tonight? Yeah, no, and I, I love that just kind of figuring out systems to refocus because it's not just it's not like people don't think they should focus. It's that they somehow forget to focus, which is kind of its own focus issue. Um, one thing I do like that you talk about, too, in your in your book is making sure to focus on family time. You've got this great podcast as well. I know you were talking recently about 
you know, doing what's most important. And one of those things is that your mom is a Harry Potter uh, aficionado and making time to uh, to go to uh, Universal Studios and hang out and have this, you know, 70 something year old woman go on roller coasters and everything. Um, what made you decide to do all of that? Was that was that as a result of any of these processes here? You know, my dad does not like amusement parks or any of those big general public gatherings. So, and I know my mom's like a huge Harry Potter fan. So yeah, for her birthday, we'd given her the gift of, hey, we'll take you to Harry Potter world. Um, And so it was amazing just to see my kids with Grammy and interacting, both having a ball, both being big Harry Potter fans. Uh, But yeah, exactly right. I mean, what I've put in place is because I travel a lot for what I do, right? I speak around the world. And so we put in place a 52 night rule. So I make sure that either the kids come with me when they can, or I'm always tracking, okay, I'm gonna be away from the kids just 52 nights during the course of the year. And so we get creative. The kids have been able to join me in Vietnam and France, uh, just amazing places, Singapore, uh, been great experiences for them when, when we're able to do that. But then other times I'm in and out, Right. I land, I speak and then and then I I fly back. And so very cognizant. I have that 52 night rule in place as a guardrail to make sure that one of the top focuses that I have is the family. How do you teach kids how to focus? Yeah, no, that's a good question. I think you lead by example. So just try to try to have them watch you. But also you want to make sure that they have some free time to play and to think. And so that's why we're talking about cowboy cowgirl scheduling just trying to show that you don't over cram their schedule as well, which is easy to do as a parent. You're like, okay, they got to be good at piano. They got to learn Spanish. They got to be the star athlete on the team. And all of a sudden you're over scheduling them. And my wife's really good about making sure that we have that correct balance. Um, but one, show them through your own actions. That's the best way. And then also to make sure when they're younger that you're not accidentally over scheduling them. It comes from a good place, good heart. You want them to excel, but it's really about understanding the concept I talk about a lot, less comma, but better, less comma, but better. All of us need to kind of look at our list and just go, okay, let's do less, but better. What's, what are some of the things that people respond back to you after they do this process, whether it's reading the book or hearing you talk? Um, what are the most common things that you hear back from people that are a result of, of choosing this focus? Yeah, it's funny because I included, it's the first book I've written where I've taken personal anecdotes throughout it. And so one of the most popular things is almost didn't make the cut in the book. And it was, I'd come home and I opened a drawer. Well, I couldn't open it because it was jam full. So I'm trying to open this drawer and I finally get it open. And then I go, man, this drawer is crazy. And I start taking stuff out of it. And I look and there's a drawer right next to it that's bigger with nothing in it. So I'm like, oh, solution. Let's put all this stuff in this drawer, half of it in this drawer. So I start putting it in there. My youngest daughter comes in and she goes, daddy, you can't, that's mommy's drawer. I'm like, this empty one? She goes, yeah, that's mommy's drawer. You You can't put stuff in there. And I go, what are you talking about? This drawer is so full. I'm going to put it in here. And she goes, all right, I, I warned you, you're going to get in trouble. And it's always great to hear that from your six-year-old. And then sure enough, my wife gets home and she's like, what are you doing? Why'd you put stuff in this drawer? I go, well, this drawer is empty. And if I hadn't gone through this project, I would have thought we're both kind of crazy. But she goes, no, 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 that's, I want to have one empty drawer so my life doesn't feel completely crammed. That's not 100% jam-packed. And I go, you know what? 
that's genius. I love that. That is a great metaphor. And so <laughs> all of us need to have more empty drawers in our life. It'll make our life better. Um, and so anyways, that's been really one that really hits home with a lot of readers and it almost didn't make the cut. Um, and so <laughs> that was great that people could really relate to that story. Yeah. Yeah. No, we have the same thing and it, but it's where the little, it's not a drawer. It's the little, little cabinet and the, we've got five-year-olds and they go in there and that's their little, their little hiding. Oh, place there's a the little kitchen. nook. Yeah. Yeah. So they have, and there's like little toys in there and a blanket, you know, it's like their little cave. So we have the same thing. We took out all the pots and pans that were in there, found somewhere else for it. So no, I love that. I love it. Um, So obviously we have this, but you've also been an expert on social media and everything else. A lot of times I get questions about salespeople. So like you're an individual salesperson, how do you use social media sort of independent from what a big company is? So like, say you're a financial advisor or an insurance or something like that. What are ways those people can use social media effectively without kind of burning out? Yeah, there's a lot of ways to do it, but this is the most powerful and the most personal way. And so when you think about these technology tools, I'm a big fan of technology. I've been in it for 30, 30 years, but I'm a jet more, more Flintstones guy than Jetsons. So it's that combination. When I talk about digital leadership, it's that combination of Jetsons and Flintstones coming together. So when it comes to social media is one of the most powerful things you can do is what I call posting it forward. So literally put in your schedule four minutes a day to post it forward. So think about taking that selfie mentality and doing the exact opposite. You're doing a big unselfie. And so what that looks like is it could be that you find an article that you enjoy and you send that to two family members, you send it to two prospects, you send it to two clients, it doesn't matter. And you write, hey, I'm thinking about you. I know you enjoy this stuff. I thought you'd enjoy reading this article. Make sure you read the article. Don't do what my dad does and just send an article. I'm like, dad, did you read that? That was really dark. He goes, no, I just saw the headline. I thought it'd be interesting. <laughs> and so you could do that. Or maybe like Twitter, Instagram, doesn't matter, TikTok, that you can go, here's three people doing great things in the community. Check them out. Or you can go on LinkedIn and endorse them for hopefully skills they actually do have, but actually post on LinkedIn. So literally four minutes a day, just do what I call posting it forward. And essentially what you're doing is you're networking before you actually need the network, which most people don't understand. They network when they need the network, which is the worst time to network. So, and we've all gotten that call in the last three months. You get the call, you haven't heard from this person in like five years, and you're talking small talk for the first five minutes, and then all of a sudden you're in your mind, you're going, what does this person want? And they wanted something and they haven't been connected with you. They've been posting it forward. So essentially that's the best way to use. That's one of the most powerful ways to use social media because it's all about relationships because mm-hmm. digital leadership has a lot less to do with technology and everything to do with relationships. Yeah. I love that. And one of the other things you talk about are the five simple habits of digital leaders. I'm assuming that's one of them, or, or maybe you can, can you go through those for us? Yeah. So it forms the acronym stamp. We wanted to research to figure out, cause I was being brought into companies, especially with social on the social media side. Then I got in there and I started to realize, wait, 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 wait you, that's just a component of everything. This whole digital landscape, this whole thing, everything's digital. Like you need to grasp your mind around the, we still say digital leadership, digital marketing, but it's really leadership. It's really marketing, but it, it's people are able to grasp it better uh, when we live in this digital era. So we wanted to research what are the habits that will stand the test of time. Knowing that technology changes every second, but human nature never does. 
what are those habits that allow you as an individual and also as an organization to stay a year ahead of your competition, but never a year ahead of your market. And so we didn't know it was gonna be three habits, 20 habits, but it turned out there's five common habits. And those habits form the acronym STAMP. And so it's simple, it's about simplification, which has a lot to do with focus. So it's about less comma, but better, focusing on the big versus the busy. And then you go to T for true, that is most leaders understand who they are at their core, and they have that true north, and they go after it. And if we have time, I can talk about your digital stamps, which relate to your personal brand, which relate to your reputation, but it's all about being true to your core because everything's fully transparent. So that relates a lot to the book, What Happens in Vegas Stays on YouTube, Your Reputation. <laughs> then we go to A for action, that nothing happens without action. But the number one cause of teams not taking action or individuals not taking action is they're afraid to fail. And so it's really about understanding how to be flossom, that people don't love you because you're perfect. They love you because you're perfectly flawed. And that holds true with organizations as well, is if you take the time to resolve an issue, that client customer actually is more likely to repeat than a customer that didn't have an issue in the first place. So it's really about making sure that you're taking that action, that you're okay to fail, and that when you have that digital lemon, that you seize the moment and say, how do I make digital lemonade out of this? Uh, and then we move on to M for map. So it used to be you set your goal and then you kind of had a linear approach to achieve that goal. Well, the world's so much different now, especially you throw a pandemic in there, hyper accelerates everything forward seven to 10 years, depending on what research you look into, but hyper accelerates everything. So now we have to have a firm destination, but we're flexible in our path on how we get there. So when these hurdles come, understanding those hurdles are for other people, it's gonna keep them out, but it's not gonna keep us out. That we as pioneers are gonna go around those and get back to that center and get back to our firm destination. So firm in the destination, flexible in the path. And when I talk with a lot of companies and it ranges, it ranges the gamut from insurance company to an association that's all around dairy to a bed company to the FBI, all these have a common thread. And one of those threads is that as a pioneer within your organization, you are gonna get that pushback. And that's super frustrating in the moment, but you've gotta understand that if it was easy, it'd already be done. And we're not using old maps to get the new destinations. Mm -hmm. And so as a pioneer, that pushback is actually a signal that you're pioneering. So be persistent in the short term, but also patient in the long term, you'll eventually get there. And those no's you're getting are just no's for now, not forever, because it's hard for people to grasp something that's not happening yet. And so like if I talk on stage, hey, mobile voting's coming, then I have a lot of people that are gonna approach me and push back on that, that it can't happen, it won't happen. And then you just kind of pause and go, well, you know what, I'm glad you're saying that because everything you just said is exactly what people said in the late 90s on why they wouldn't give their credit card to an Amazon to buy something online. Mm -hmm. And so you gotta look at these patterns. So anyways, that's M for map, firm and gestation, flexible path. And then last but not least, what we talked about posting it forward, it's about surrounding yourself with the right people offline and now, now more and more online. And so developing relationships, both offline and online. And so posting it forward is just an example of when time, distance or safety are an issue, that you're reminding that person your relationship matters. 
you're networking before you actually need the network, that when you can have that lunch, when you can have that coffee, when you can have that live conference, when you have that live event, definitely make it happen. Because we've learned, especially the last two years, that you cannot replace face-to-face. But when time, distance, and safety are an issue, this is how you use technology to work together, Jetsons and Flintstones, to deepen those relationships. Great. Well, so my last question here is the normal sequence of, you know, you talk about the focus project and you talk about the five simple habits of digital leaders. So the last question naturally is, how did you make former President Barack Obama almost pee his pants? Oh, yeah. No. So <laughs> that was just a, I was lucky, right? In the right moment at the right time. But it was crazy because South by Southwest, a lot of you know this event. It's not in Austin. But this is probably at the peak of its popularity. So literally, you have the sitting president, Barack Obama, opening the conference. You have Michelle Obama closing the conference. That's how big this conference is. And I happen to be speaking on the same day as Obama. We're in the same room. And I go, man, it looks like I'm going to meet the sitting president of the United States. Now, what I want to do is focus. Part of focus is putting yourself in the shoes of somebody else. And so you mentioned about the sales team, like how do I use digital? Well, always put yourself in the shoes of somebody else. So I'm watching the president and everyone's saying the same thing. Oh, you're doing a good job. Nice to meet you. And I got to think that's kind of boring after about two hours. And he's probably been doing this day after day that that happens most days that just random people are just shaking his hand saying you're doing a good job. So I go, all right, how do I break this chain? What will be interesting to the president? And I knew that he loved basketball and that Michelle's brother was a coach at University of Oregon. I happened to play at Michigan State University basketball for Coach Tom Izzo. And Obama used to do the brackets, March Madness, with Andy Katz from ESPN. So we'd actually pick the brackets in the Oval Office on this big, giant check-like thing, right? These big checks for the big board. Well, two of the three years, he picked Michigan State. Now, Michigan State, for those that don't follow basketball, historically does very well in March Madness. Mm -hmm. But the two years he picked us, we epically failed. (laughs) And so when I went up to him, I said, hey, nice to meet you, Mr. President. I happen to play basketball at Michigan State. I was just talking to Coach Izzo. He said, please, please, please do not pick us to go very far in the tournament this year. You're killing us. You're jinxing us. And so it was the right time. It's just a for that scene. It's just something that broke the monotony for him. And then he happened to to laugh hysterically. And there's a camera that took a picture of it, so it all worked out well. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, yeah, I'd have to agree with you there. I know you guys have had you know whatever is it 2001? I think was the last time. But you got Final Fours all the time. So incredible program. Well, thanks for sharing that story. Thank you for, for coming on and, and you know giving us so much wisdom. I really appreciate it. No, thanks, Brian. No, it's great. It's wonderful to see the world coming coming forward, I say. It's coming forward hyper fast. So it's been great to be out and about with these large conferences recently, just with so many people hugging people. So it's been amazing. That's awesome. Well, thank you. And thanks again. So for everyone listening, make sure to uh, subscribe, rate, review. And uh, on behalf of uh, Premier Speakers, National Speakers, thank you, Equal Man. I'm BS Lord. And uh, thanks for listening to the Beyond Speaking Podcast. Thank you for joining us for the Beyond Speaking Podcast. To learn more about today's guests, go to beyondspeak.com. Make sure to leave a review and subscribe wherever you listen.